All right, guys, here, Justin and I are here for round two of the Chalk Zone Piloting Podcast. And how you doing? Doing good, man. And excited about all this. Yeah, it's, it's an experience for sure. Yes, sir. Happy to be out of quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> it is the most annoying thing to be stuck at home for two weeks. It's annoying when you can't see your brother for two weeks. Yeah, that ain't no lie. Maybe this one will be a little bit smoother since we were able to do it in the same room and I have to do it over the phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, the phone was a little weird for me. Yeah. the Trying to correlate the, the Zoom and the phone call and recording was a little bit difficult. Yeah, it was a little much. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. I, I got a lot of feedback from it. I've gotten some good feedback from it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that uh, listened, they told us it sounded smooth, uh, told me that they thought – they didn't know my story mm-hmm. and getting to know you to yeah. um, open their eyes up to how the gym has helped us and how we've grown. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think a lot of people, even in our local area, don't necessarily know who we are. I agree. I mean, because we're all guilty of it because we look at somebody on their outer shell and how they, you know, their mannerisms, and that's what we judge them by. Like, sometimes I wonder if that's a fault or not. I, w- I would say it is. I mean, you don't really know somebody until you know somebody. Yeah, that's right. And you got to get, you know, down deep. Yeah. It's like an onion. Yeah. You know, like you know, <laughs> Shrek. Like Shrek. Shrek's yeah. got many layers, so. Hey, I got that one. I got that movie <laughs> reference. <laughs> Usually I'm horrible with all that. Um, Well, man, what's been going on this week? This week's been a little crazy. Uh, work, of course, but Twitch and Twitter have blown up for me. That's awesome. And uh, we started, I believe, we started the, the week at 21 followers on Twitch, which is uh, where I stream my video games to, and we've ended the week at 40, and I've had a lot of help Double. and a lot of feedback. So That is awesome. Uh, and then Twitter. Twitter's crazy. I, I wish I'd have known about Twitter a lot sooner. See, I had Twitter back, let me think here, when I started college back in, 2011, I had Twitter, and I didn't use it for video games. I was a salty little idiot on Twitter, being a <laughs> punk. That's about what it was for, chasing girls usually. It's about what it was. Yeah. yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't for anything productive. Now I made some friends on there, but that's it. That was nothing productive outside of just the normal conversation or talking trash on there. I've made some haters on there, I can tell you that. That's how it works usually, especially when it comes to video games. Yeah. <laughs> the, hash, the hashtag game has to be on point, though, and that's something else I'm learning about. Um, See, it's something I still, even on Instagram, it's that way. Yeah. Like, I throw a lot of hashtags on there, and I try to put on hashtags of things that I support or that I follow. And every time I do it, it's like, why am I doing this? Because there's a lot of people that talk down upon it, and there's a lot of people that talk well, why not just do it? It's like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's kind of why I'm doing it. If yeah. it gets me more likes, it gets me more likes. I found this out. I don't probably get maybe 10 difference. There's a, a number of 10 in the difference if I forget to put my hashtags on there or if I do. Yeah, there's a big number for me. If I don't put hashtags <laughs> on there, nobody sees it. Well, those algorithms that, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, uh, I haven't Twitter, figured those out. they all put on you. 
They yeah. say, oh, he said youth pastor in his bio. We're going to put him in this group. So. Yeah, you probably don't. You probably don't appeal to the demographic that they're trying to go after. Yeah, especially now, like being a Christian isn't PC anymore. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird, but you know, I wouldn't change anything. No, we we can't change who we are. To sac, we can't sacrifice our morals for gratification from other people yeah, or approval from other people. And that kind of hits on a point that that I've recently had to go through is as a strength coach is something that I'm learning and dabbling in the field of is becoming a strength coach or more of a powerlifting coach is it is my responsibility to also know when myself and a client isn't meshing and as much as it is for me to be able to program for them, analyze their techniques, correct their techniques, or try to keep them safe and all these kind of things, it's just as important because if you work with somebody just for money's sake or whatever, one, it's going to be a toxic relationship there. Two, you're probably going to get them hurt. And three, they're never going to follow your program. It's going to be stressful. And then if they get hurt, it looks bad on you. Or if they don't make the progress they want, they're going to blame you regardless, even though that they're choosing not to follow your programming. So those are the things that as individuals and even coaches that we have to look at and go, you know what? These are the methods and principles and my beliefs. And we have to stick to that. And that's something that I feel like it's hard. That's it, I feel like it's been hard for me to learn. And it's good that I've got, you know, people in my corner that when I speak to them, spoke to them about it, explain, you know, what happened, what was going on. Like, no, you shouldn't feel bad. Even though maybe an individual may think differently of you now because they see you from this side, I have to remember what's my why, what my beliefs are, and what my principles are. And I think that goes into everything that we do. I mean, our daily life, our daily walk, our work life, our relationship with people in and outside of the gym, <clears throat> shoot, even our marriages. Yep. I mean. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, looking, if you look at everything as a whole, everybody's main goal is to be happy. Yeah. As a young man growing up, I was told, don't have a job where you hate waking up every morning. Yeah. I had one of those jobs for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I hated waking up every morning and going to work and working 12-hour shifts. And so, you know, God opened that door. We was able to make a change there mm-hmm. through you. And uh, yeah. that's worked out so far. Now, I'm not saying nobody likes waking up and going to work. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But uh, just looking at it as in what what makes me happy, and in turn, if I'm happy, I can make other people happy. And that's yeah. my main objective day to day is just to have happy people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's healthy. Smiles are a lot healthier than frowns. Oh, so. most definitely. I think for us to smile is more healthy than yeah. us to be upset or angry. And I don't know how true it is, but remember whenever we were growing up, the teachers always said it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> it sure feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I've I've smiled and laughed a lot, and uh, it can get to where you, your cheeks start hurting when yeah, you're smiling. So but. I've never, my cheeks have never hurt from frowning. No. <laughs> <laughs> or or my abs. Yeah. You can laugh enough, your stomach hurts. 
get that runner's cramp in your side. Yeah. But that's that, you know, the story of you uh, starting work, you know, where you currently work. That, that was an interesting story because I remember I was sitting there in the control room and the electrical or, and the chemical engineer there, he was like, hey, man, do you know somebody that knows much about PLC? He's like, you know what? My best friend does. <laughs> he goes, really? I was like, yeah. I said, here's his number. Here's his contact information. And I thought he was just, you know, pulling my tail. And next thing I know, he comes back to me like after lunch. He goes, hey. I spoke to your buddy. I said, we're going to work up an interview with him. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. You know, first unofficial interview, and then y'all had some stuff going on out there at the site, and then it was six months. I thought I blew it yeah. in my unofficial interview. No, I was those, worried. Those place, that place takes forever. And uh, they ended up calling back after about six months, and, I mean, everything's been going pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, you know, pass that forward. I've got somebody that I've been pushing pretty hard to them and Good. hoping uh, first part of the second quarter of the year they, they make the move on that'd it. Be, so. That'd be good. You know, I enjoyed working there, but I think how everything went down, as crappy as it was, is a blessing. You yeah. know, and wrapped inside of a curse. I, I really do. Um, I do like my job now. Um I don't like the politics of my job. Oh, I hate my politics of yeah. my job. Nobody likes politics. I don't like politics. I don't like normal politics. Yeah. Um, what's crazy is the amount of politics in Hope. Oh, it's insane. There's a lot. There's a whole lot of a lot of small town politics, and it's just one of those things that just just it irks me. Really, yeah. it really irks me. Oh man. So, uh, going on to training here. What's been going on new with you in training this week? Uh, training this week was, uh, to me, crazy. I hit a Sunday, 395 for five on squat in sleeves. Mm-hmm. And then I worked up with the shoulder saver on bench day, um, hit my my three sets of five, and then worked up and ended up hitting 300 for a single That's with good. a chest saver. And you haven't really been? Mm-mm. No, I haven't been pushing bench, um, but it felt good. Everything felt good. And I said, well, you know, Zach's not out here with me, so Can't I don't have it. somebody saying, push it. stop. So I'm going <laughs> to push the gas pedal a little bit. Yeah, you're going to push it. And then, um, and you better make it clean if Seth's spotting you. Lord <laughs> have mercy. Yeah, he's going to grab it if it bobbles any. <laughs> <laughs> he he don't like watching anybody grind, period. Because like I remember, I don't know what I was pushing, but it was in the other gym. I mean, as soon as it slowed down, I mean, it was still moving fast, but it slowed down just a tad, but he grabbed it. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I saw it slow down. Yeah, he he's all about – he wants everybody to be safe too, though. Oh, definitely. You know, so. He worries a lot about that stuff. He uh, he saw me slow down, and then when I when I finished it, he said, I almost grabbed that. And I was like, I'm glad you did. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Thursday was uh, my deadlift day. Yeah. Decided to go with the axle bar this month for deadlift mm-hmm. and ended up pulling 395 for five. That's good. The axle yeah. bar's weird. It throws you off. It does, and but I love training grip strength. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That's one of those things. It's a challenge. It's a way to make the movement more challenging, and it's a way to get a different stimulus from the same movement, if it makes sense. Yeah. But it ate my hands up a little bit. You know, it's oh, a yeah. smooth bar, but it uh, it felt good. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to lie, it felt real good. Um, 
shoot, my training this week has been a little bit, to me, lackluster. I'm dealing with getting over, you know, having COVID and all that. Like, I never really felt bad. I had some sinus congestion and stuff like that. But, oh, shoot. I started taking antibiotics and whatever else the doctor prescribed me. And after my second day of training, I was like, I can't take these anymore. It, it was that bad. It was to the point to where everything I grabbed hurt my elbows or everything I picked up squatting felt completely heavy. It's like, what's going on? Like my central nerve system wasn't firing or something. It was just horrible. Um, I'll hit less than 400 pounds on a safety squat bar with 120 and chains, I believe. And that's the first time that I haven't been able to squat over 400 pounds with, this, with the safety squat bar to that setup in a very long time. And it was very aggravating. And then smashing my forehead, unloading the bar a little too fast on one side, and then bam. That's a pretty good lump. Yeah, it sucks. And it's bruising down between my eyes, too. So there is that. Um, bench. As crappy as it felt, it didn't go that bad because the setup for me, I couldn't figure out or didn't have the patience enough to figure out how to set the change up the way it probably should have. Um, my coach wants the change to get set up to where they completely deload at the bottom and at the top have all the links except for maybe one or two completely off the ground. With bench, close grip with a shoulder saver, it's a little difficult to do that because the range of motion is shortened and bench isn't a crazy long motion anyway. So setting that chain up, setting the chains up that way was a little difficult. But for some reason, my elbows were aching, like bad, just aching. Like every time I squeezed something, my elbows were aching. I don't know if that had anything to do with the medicine I was taking or it was cool, maybe just the cold weather was affecting me or something. I don't know. <clears throat> but... I decided, you know what, I'm feeling worse now that I'm taking all this medicine, and maybe I needed to have something to blame, except for myself, because I'm hard-headed. But I was a little bit down, because my squat day and my bench day felt like crap. But I was smart, and I listened to Christian. He was like, you know, you may not feel bad, but don't be afraid to pull back a little bit if you have to. So I didn't push everything, you know, in training those two days. And I knew my deadlift day wasn't going to be heavy. Um, every other week, we deadlift to a maximum effort. So we was doing percentage work, speed work, and repetition work this week. Uh, and that's followed by sets of squats, four by five on squats. And um, that was Thursday. My, my squats felt good, and they moved good. I rushed the descent a little bit, so I tended I collapsed a little bit. Um, <clears throat> these are things that I typically always have to work on whenever I start a prep, especially on repetition days and getting back used to walking out squats. Um, I haven't been walking them out for a while because for the last two meets, I've done monolith meets. So getting used to that again, walking it out, um, keeping a tighter torso, keeping my chest a little bit more upright as I go down, staying tighter. That's something I need to work on. I get impatient. I just kind of want to hurry up and the hole and come up. I want the weight to move fast, and fast doesn't necessarily mean good. You know, and you can be, you know, moderately slow and perform a perfect movement, 
and you still be just as strong as it is if you blew it up and it was really fast. Um, so my lighter lower day went good. I had four by five on squats, then I had ten by one on deadlifts at like three seventy or something like that. Yeah, you say that like that's you know chump change. It is. Yeah, it is. That's like <laughs> that's around fifty sixty percent for me. Um, but I had, I had to do it with like a 40 second rest. That's the longest, the rest that I had to do. And that, that day was probably the first time I noticed my breathing. Like that was the first time I felt any type of lung, um, effects from being sick. But by probably set seven to 10, I started using my lower back and only my hips. So I could definitely feel it. So <clears throat> After that 10 sets of one, I had to go to five sets of three with a five-second negative on deadlifts. Um, my first set, I hook gripped. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. I can hook grip for one to three reps, normal reps, and not usually have issues. By the first rep of taking that five seconds, because you got to keep thinking about it, one rep takes longer with a five-second negative if you're doing it properly than a three-rep just going after it. Yep. So it's like, holy cow. So I had to mix grip, which the mechanics are not completely different, but I just pulled 10 sets before that, all hook grip. And then that first set, I did hook grip. So the next two, uh, the next four sets on the eccentrics were a little bit different. I had to figure that out. So <clears throat> uh, we're going to play around with getting my adduct my adductors and glutes more activated in my deadlift. That's going to be a, a deal. Um, I had a list of changes that Christian wants me to make. Like if, if we implement this and we can't figure this out, then we're going to do this. And if that doesn't work, we're going to do this. So I'm hoping the first one works because the next one's me getting rid of my dynamic start. I really don't want to get rid of that dynamic start. <laughs> I, I call it a preload. Yeah. At, to me, maybe it's more of a subconscious thing. But when I get in position with a dynamic start, I feel so good. Like, I've never picked up the bar with a static start, even in a perfect position, that even comes close to feeling how good it feels when I get in the right position with a dynamic start. Well, yeah. You know, <clears throat> an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Yeah. So that that pre-start, and I know what you're saying, that pre-start, it does help. Yeah. And it may just be mental yeah. because you are moving the opposite direction of the way you want the bar to move initially. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once you start moving, you want to stay moving, mm -hmm. and it kind of helps you compress a little bit on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of hook grip, though, I've done that for one rep my entire life, but I play video games and uh, I love my thumbs and I need them. So I do, uh, you know, opposite grip. Uh, do that mixed grip. Yeah, mixed grip. It feels good to me. A lot of people ask, uh, especially on Facebook, you know, I got a lot of family on there and they'll, they'll shoot a message and say, hey, why do you grab the bar like that? Well, I feel, I feel pretty good that way. You know, it is a personal choice. Mm -hmm. I do believe I'm stronger holding it like that. Yeah, a lot of people are. I don't believe that no matter how 
prepared I've been that I could have pulled the weight that I've pulled with double overhand. It, nobody can. Everybody mistakes hook grip as double overhand. Everybody mistakes it. But I've never seen anybody, even at the top level, who uses hook grip or mixed grip get 50% or above or and that's using true double hand, double double overhand. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's no. to me is insane. No. And I do I refuse to use straps even on high rep sets. Yeah. Zach stays mad at me because he's like you're tearing your hands up, but there's just something about that that grip strength that is Yeah. I'm I just refuse to use them, so. I hate straps, but I use them, especially now that I hook grip more than what I used to. <laughs> um, when I'm in a hypertrophy phase, and on my working sets, I don't I don't use them. But if I'm doing sets where it's, like, back down sets and it's 10, 15 reps, like, there was a time that Christian had me doing, like, 15 reps on deadlifts. And it's like, I can't hook grip for that long. I mean, at some point, the pain becomes a little bit weird. Yeah. Like it's like, it's unbearable. So I do put my straps on for stuff like that for the fact of I'm wanting to get the most out of this movement instead of having to worry about my thumbs falling off. Yeah. And I have seen where his thumb looked like it was falling off. So, <laughs> so I mean, hook grip is brutal on your thumbs, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to switch to hook grip, just accept it. It's going to happen. Your thumbs are going to get beat up. You might lose some nerve nerve feeling in there and all that yeah, kind of stuff. I need that need that feeling, that that sensory. Yeah. Um, no, but my deadlifts moved well. I just didn't use my adductors or glutes as much as I should, and I'm still impatient from the start. But my starting position is getting better. That It is getting better. We're at the top. I'm not losing balance as much. And I think, to be honest, I, I struggled the most with my top position when it comes to deadlifts, and it all roots down to my starting position. And in, in time, we've got a question, Miss Brooke. Miss Brooke, she asked about the uh, all about the deadlifts on the questions. She wants to know talk about the deadlift from the ground up, and we'll get into that. But <clears throat> my starting position messes me up leading into the, at the top. I mean, it's just, it, it throws you off balance because <clears throat> it's just like a drag strip. If you don't start perfectly straight, by the time you get to the end, you're going to be in trouble. So, I mean, it's the same thing with your deadlift. It's it's all body mechanics and it's leverages and things like that. So, especially when you're talking about sumo, there's something about it that, that I wish I fully understood, and maybe that's why I'm so fascinated with the movement. I don't understand fully why sumo is so much more technically difficult. Yeah, you got to be, a, to me, a, a technician for sumo. Of course, I've, I have now tied my deadlift conventional and sumo. Yeah. But to me, sumo, everything has to be right. Or number one, it doesn't feel right. Number two, it's not going to move right. No, you know, <clears> conventional <throat> you get on the floor. Yeah, conventional, you can kind of you know stomp that gas pedal and grind and it, it a little. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. You might look like a dog trying to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't do that on sumo. 
I've I've tried, and the bar just stays on the ground. So, and I know notice this. You have more room to grind with conventional than oh. you do sumo. I might have seen a handful of lifters lifters who can actually grind in a sumo and it be a legal lift. It, there's something about it. Like as soon as you know people start grinding with sumo, typically you know their knees come in, their you know, their hips collapse, and they kind of round. And then when as soon as you round and your fo- your shoulders get pulled forward, unless you're strong enough at the top to pull those shoulders back, you're never going to get to the lockout position that's where your shoulders are breaking your hips. Because one, your hips are collapsed in and your shoulders are folded forward. You may go to the top, quote unquote, lock it out, but you're not locked out because you haven't broke that plane. Yeah, and it looks extremely ugly. Yeah. And I bet it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> I, could, I feel it at the bottom, you know, and it's like, nope, let's go ahead. You need to stop and reset instead of wasting all that energy. Yeah. So, Yeah, 100%. Oh, man. So, uh, Mr. Parker, he asked us a question, and it's, and it's actually, you and I have talked about this. Um, and I find it, I think it's a good question. It's, it's, one of a, it's a question that gets asked a lot, but I, I would like for us to expand on it a little bit more than, you know, the normal answers on it. Like, and his question was, what advice would we, would we give to a new lifter? And I'm going to, just put it in the category of powerlifting. Um, and if you want to expand outside of powerlifting, that's fine. Okay. I'll stick to what I really know. All right. You want me to go ahead? Yeah, you go ahead. Personally, if you're going to start powerlifting or, you know, just getting to the gym, and if you're just starting in the gym and you find out that powerlifting is something that you want to get involved in, first off, realize it's powerlifting. It's not Olympic lifting. It's not bodybuilding. It's not like any other sport. Um, you need, I'm going to say, I say need very hesitantly, but you need to understand that progress isn't always linear. Progress isn't always going to be a constant thing. And sometimes taking steps backwards is extremely crucial to progression forward. And be patient and realize it is better to learn how to properly do things or perform the list properly than it is to have a certain amount of weight on the bar. And if you get into the sport and you are not willing to educate yourself more. Um, Because most of the time I'm going to say people hear about powerlifting through social media or a friend or something like that, and they don't truly know much about it. Uh, Learn. Learn it. Learn the sport. Like I, I recommend learning the sport. Figure out... I'm going. This may sound different, but a lot of people, you know, they look at the professional athletes like, what does LeBron James do? What does Derek Jeter or Big Poppy do? What do these guys do? Like, why are we looking at what they do? They're the genetic outliers that are the best ever. Yeah. I'm sorry. And this is, I'm, I'm not 
trying to be a dream killer or nothing, but there's a 99.99999% chance that you're not that genetic outlier. So stop kidding yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't be that way. Don't go into the gym thinking you're, no matter what you do, you're going to progress. No matter what you do, you're going to get better. No, don't think like that. Think there's a right way and a wrong way. And that might be bad advice, but I 100% believe there's a wrong way and a right way to do everything. I agree with that. You know, and, and looking at it, and just to add to what you're saying is, my first thing I told my son when he started is, you don't know heartbreak, but you're fixing to learn it. Yeah. And he looked at me kind of crazy. I said, the steel doesn't care who you are, and that bar is going to break your heart. Yeah. And it's weird. to Like, whenever people hear someone say that, they're like, oh, whatever. Like, you get invested in yourself. Like, and you should. Like, it, we, no one starts lifting for anybody else. They start lifting for selfish reasons. And you're going to have your hopes up. You're going to be excited for something. And you're going to go try to perform that movement. And it's not going to happen. And that's going to hurt your feelings. At that moment, what you do from there is what determines if you're going to be good or not. Yep, I agree with that. But find what is right, find what is wrong. See what you're doing right, see what you're doing wrong, even at a beginner. We all start somewhere and we all... Okay, here's an easy way to look at it. Get under a bar and squat it, video it. Get under a bar and bench it and video it. Get in front of a bar and deadlift it. And video it. Look at that. Then go look at the mechanics. What are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? Make that checklist. Encourage yourself with what you're doing right. Even though you're new, I'm sure there's something you're going to be doing right. We're not all going to start wrong completely. Now, if you are, well, the good news is you can improve. Yep. <laughs> You can always improve. I mean, if you're doing everything wrong, great. That gives you more room to grow. But give yourself mental notes or write them down. If you're a visual person, write it down of what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And pick one thing in each movement to work on. Not two, not three. And Lord, don't try to fix all of it at once. <laughs> Realize this is a marathon, and everybody says it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Strength sports, such as powerlifting, is not a sprint. You have got to take your time. The best lifters lift the longest. The biggest totals come from the, the ones who lift the longest. I understand right now you've got a bunch of young guys that are throwing up some massive totals, but none of them are beating Yuri Belkin, and he's been lifting longer than them, and he wasn't always the best. Yeah, you know, looking at that, to me, like you say, you know the best, and we see this guy out there, and to add to what you said earlier, I don't want to compare myself to, say, Big Poppy. No. I don't want to compare myself to Brian Shaw. I want to look at that and go, is that something that I think I could be? I need to set goals. Yep. That right? Realistic. Because my genetics, I'm, I'm not a genetic freak. Um my brother knows what I says about my genetics, but I'm not going to say I'm on here. Um, 
they're probably not the best. You know, we're all kind of a hodgepodge of a little bit of everything. Yeah. And um, I believe, you know, God gives us a little more and gives some people a little less, and that's just where we fall. That's the hand we are dealt. But I do believe that you could set yourself up and say, okay, if I'm going to be a power lifter, I want to set these goals up and, you know, looking forward to the future and say, right now I'm not competing, but I want to train and I want to fit in to this category right here, whether it be a weight, a certain weight class that you want to get in before you compete, set that goal, meet that goal, accomplish it, go and compete and say, okay, from this point forward, what is my next move? Yeah, I agree with that. I like that because and pick goals that are realistic. Yes. Your first competition, like, or even like if you do a mock meet or a testing thing, don't expect to walk into the gym. Well, unless you're blasting tons of gear. Yeah. Don't expect to walk into the gym and start powerlifting in six months at 100 to 200 pounds on your deadlifts. Don't expect that. Like, that is not something that needs to be in your mind. Just think constant progression. If it's five pounds, it's five pounds. If it's 50 pounds, it's 50 pounds. But set goals that are realistic. And realize the longer you do it, the harder improvements are going to take. So the better off you start from the beginning, and the more patient you are in the beginning, the better you're going to be in the long run. Because... You and I have seen it, even with the short amount of time that we've been in powerlifting, is you have a few young lifters that are our age or a little bit younger who start powerlifting around the same time we are, and they blasted way past us, but yet they haven't improved none. No. Since then. They're, they're a little bit of a standstill. Yeah. I say a little bit. They've been at standstill for a little while. For a couple of years. Yeah. Like in a year's time, two years' time, they put four or 500 pounds on their total. It's like, mm great that's fun that's fine but now what's happening they're hurt they're not improving their lifts are actually yeah, they're, they're regressing they're going yeah, the other they're way. digressing and it's like what was the point and here i am five years into it a little bit longer than that and no i'm not the strongest um i'm Probably stronger than your average bear. And I'm continually getting better. Continuously. And I I don't have injuries. I've got little, you know, aches and pains every now and again. But I don't have injuries. Um, I'm smart. I don't try to push it when things aren't there. you got to be smart. I mean, as much of an ego sport that powerlifting is... I try to take my ego out of it as much as I can. A lot of times, like last prep, my last deadlift session, I probably was, that was probably the most egotistical I ever was. I mean, I was lifting with my ego because I wanted to hit that deadlift. And I missed it, and I did it again to get it. And then Christian ripped me a new one. Yeah. (laughs) You've ripped me new ones for for doing that. You know, my... My most favorite thing used to be, you know, have a bad day. I'd walk in the gym and say, you know, hey, I'm feeling stupid today. 
and Zach would have to say, you know, no, you're not. We're going to do this, and this is all we're going to do, stick to the program, which kind of brings me to, you know, what I would say is discipline. You know, yeah. I, I believe this powerlifting game, because that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, it's a game. Is a majority of a mental capacity of being disciplined mm-hmm. and being coachable. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that that doesn't just pertain to powerlifting. You know, to be able to see somebody young, um, you know, my son being one of them, to come into a gym and actually grow up in the gym. He's um, grown up a lot. You know, and mature and figure these things out and how they fit into the real world mm-hmm. is one day I'm going to have a job. At this job, what do I need to be? I need to be disciplined and I need to be coachable. Mm-hmm. When I go out into the world and try to find a lady, yeah, I need to be disciplined and I need to be coachable. Yeah, um, and like I said, it it fits into everything. And I'm not saying that I am the best at either one of those things because I fail daily at certain disciplines. We all do, but I do believe to find myself very coachable, and I think that that is a characteristic. That if we could all say, you know what, I don't know everything, but somebody else does. You can learn something from anybody. Mm-hmm. It may be how not to do something, yep. but you can still learn from them. And mm-hmm. I think that that is important. And you're still being coachable at that point because mm-hmm. you're taking it in and you're learning that lesson from somebody else instead of you failing and you having to learn it the hard way. What's that saying? A wise man learns from their mistakes, but a wiser man, if that's even a true word, learns from other people's mistakes. I mean, that's something that I've taken to heart. Like I pay attention to people. Everybody knows how I am. I'm extremely observant on a lot of weird things. And something I learned growing up was paying attention to my brothers. And they always claim that, well, you just never got caught. That's not true. I just didn't <laughs> do what y'all did. I saw what you did. I saw what you got in trouble for. And I was like, hmm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just going to stay away from it. And I agree. Like, I've watched Seth, like, you know, he's a soft-hearted kid and a genuine kid. He's probably the most genuine kids I've ever met. Yeah. I'm not biased because he's my godson. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. He is one of my... <laughs> but he's very genuine. Like, he... I've watched him grow as a young man. From a little boy, now he's 18, as a young man. You know, he's working. He's taking care of his school grades. And he comes into the gym when he can. He doesn't get in the gym like he wants to anymore. But he comes in the gym. He makes the best out of those days. And I've noticed his bad days are becoming like more like his normal days. Like if he used to have a bad day often. Yeah. And it would be catastrophic. Um, and it would be like you and me are like in a – football playbook trying to figure out, okay, what Hail Mary are we going to pull off today to get him to finish this? Yeah. You know, he's a lot happier now, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, when he messes up, he, he's, he's learned, okay, that's what I did wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, the little kid is starting to get out of him a little bit. And, you know, yeah. as a dad, it's like, ooh, mm. you know, he, he's, he's growing up. Yeah. But I would say, you know, discipline, being coachable, moving that forward into – setting that goal mm-hmm. and not stopping until you hit that goal. Yeah. And there's a type of obsession 
that comes with wanting to be great mm-hmm. at anything. Oh, yeah. And there are times we may have to back off just a little bit and step back and take a look at the bigger picture. Oh, yeah. And then say, okay, maybe I was headed in the wrong direction just a little bit. Let me regroup mm-hmm. and then get right back at it. Yeah. And when I say take a step back, I don't mean stop. No, no, no. no. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Talk talk it out with somebody and then just get right back at it. Because if you take that break, it gets easier to take. Mm-hmm. And then you have to re-coach and learn a new discipline and mm-hmm. how not to quit. I think he's learned that from that one time he did. Yep. I think uh, – <clears throat> It was his last competition. No, not his last one. The one before this last. That meat director. Mm, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. All I'm going to say is you have a 16-year-old kid up there squatting for a PR that everybody knew about for his third attempt. You don't play mind games to try to screw with somebody on the platform. Yeah. Especially as the meat director and the head judge. You don't do that. And that's exactly what he did. And it's not us being protective over Seth. Everybody in the stadium saw it. Yeah. It was commented on by everybody. You know, everybody, everybody come up to us and they were like, man, that, that Why was would wrong. you do that? Like. I don't know why you would give the rat command. And with not, your, not. With yeah, your hand. With your hand and not say it. And not say it until you've put your whole arm down. And then say rack, and then he was red-lighted because he moved before the verbal command was given. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. As soon as that hand went up for rack, the spotters grabbed the bar. Yep. So he didn't have a choice to rack it. Yeah, it was it was not good, you know. And it was it was extremely obvious what he was doing. He was he was being a jerk. Yeah. You know, I guess looking back, probably have that at a a, a battle at two states. You know, pushed together there. Yeah, he was the opposite state, and uh, but no, you know, he's done. He's done good. He's grown a lot, and that's you know my experience. If we're going to say lifter, you know what what new advice or what advice would yeah. we give to a new lifter would be you know discipline, being coachable, and then you definitely have your powerlifting coaches. I'm not a powerlifting coach. I can help. I can show you how to use the machines. I can show you how to lift. But when it comes to coaching, and I'm, I mean, I'm getting my feet wet with it now, but there's a lot that goes into it. And I've got to be able to discern myself and take myself out of the equation because you are giving yourself to somebody else. And like you said, those relationships that it changes things a little bit. And it doesn't matter if it's family or friends or whatever. The great thing about you and I is we had the same goal. Yeah. And even now, the goals are not exactly the same. But it, the the grand scheme of it. Yes. And so uh, I will be honest, this is a very selfish sport. Oh, it is. It's very selfish. And I think I would share that up front and say, hey, you're going to have to realize this is about you. Yeah. Don't, don't change your goal because, you know, you got a girlfriend or a boyfriend that says, well, I want to see those six-pack abs. Yeah. I'm – you keep working towards your goal, you know, and then once you have achieved that goal, if you want to back up and say, okay, I want to sh- shift gears mm-hmm. and I want to aim this other direction, that's great. Don't ever stop pursuing a goal. Yeah. 
in the middle of pursuing that goal. Well, I'll add this. If you're willing to change your goal because of a girlfriend who well, wants yeah. to see six-pack, it's really not that important to you. It's not a real goal. Exactly. I mean, I 100% agree with that. Now, always, like, digressing a little bit, when I talk about learning the sport, if you don't have local coaches or you don't have any local coaches that are trustworthy, because there's some that are just do this, do this, do this, and it's like seeing what sticks, just throwing against the wall and seeing what sticks, that may work for a little bit of time, but it's not going to progress you years to come. Yep. And I, I always say take note and enjoy the present achievements, but never take your side off the, the future achievements, the big overall goal. Um, but reach out to coaches. Like coaches are on social media daily giving out free content. Yeah, free. 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 They don't charge That's for really it. good. So I'm going to be extremely biased because these individuals are people that I trust and support. If you're a new lifter and you're looking for content that's going to help you in the sport progress more and you want to improve and progress your knowledge in this sport or strength and conditioning, period, I'm going to do a bunch of name dropping. And it's a shameless plug for the people that I support. And it's that simple. Christian Anso, look him up. Tony Montgomery, look him up. Trevor Jaffe, look him up. Jordan Shallows, look him up. Ryan Orr, look him up. And his coach, I'm going to do my best not to butcher his name, Killian Hamilton. Look them guys up. Um, look up Dave Tate. Um, everybody, when they hear powerlifting, they think West Side and Louis Simmons. I never personally trained there. But I don't, this is my personal bias, going off of, conversations I've had with individuals and have heard other individuals have on other podcasts. The West Side conjugate method. I'm not saying conjugate. I'm saying the West Side conjugate method. There's a difference. Isn't what made those guys so great. It was that atmosphere. Yeah, that atmosphere. You know, you watch West Side versus World. Yeah. And that's just a, that's just a a smear, just a very little, very, very, very limited sight of what you get to see. Oh, exactly. That. That's it, what they let you see. It's like dropping, you know. <clears throat> a pebble in the ocean. Well, that or 50 one- or two-year-old spunky pit bulls yeah. into a little bitty area and saying, get better. Yeah. And, like, those those guys bred greatness. Yeah. That environment bred the greatness. Yep. Conjugate in itself works. I'm not saying their methods were wrong, but I'm I, I'm gonna personally say that I don't believe that method is any more efficient than a normal conjugate method or block periodization or things like that. Um, Louis Simmons is extremely smart. I might he will be he is a greater coach than I'll ever be, and I'm not trying to say that I'm as good as him or I know as much as him, but. I don't believe that one man is behind all that greatness to come out of that gym. I believe it was the lifters. And maybe that's just my opinion, 
but that's what I, I believe. Yeah, I, I think of him as more of like a, a mad scientist. Yeah. You know, he said, hey, let's try that. Yeah, see if it works. And find out it does. Yeah. And he was not afraid to bring in different methods from different countries. Oh, most definitely. So, I mean, okay. how do you get a book in Russian and then translate it yourself? <laughs> that's To me, that's crazy. Speaking of coaches, I'm going to name drop two. Uh, Zach Fant. Oh, gosh. You know, um, I would not be the lifter I am today without without you. I'm being, you know, serious here. And, you know, I know he looks at me funny when I say stuff like that because he <laughs> does not like being pointed out. But it is true. And, guys, I mean, he's very knowledgeable. And, I mean, if you have a question, shoot him a question. He'll answer it to the best of his ability. I know he will. And if I don't know the answer, I know people who know the answer. There you go. Because <clears> – <throat> In this world um, of powerlifting and or coaching, if you're not asking questions still, you're no longer a good coach. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you're not willing to learn as a coach, and I'm going to say this for sports coaches too, all the local sports coaches we have in this area, if you're not willing to continue your education in your sport, anything revolving your sport, you're a trash coach. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. 100%. I don't care if you got state records. I don't care if you got state championships. You're a trash coach if you're not willing to improve your knowledge. Improve your knowledge so you can improve your players. That's right. 100%. I'll go ahead and say it. And I don't care if I know them. I don't care if I don't know them. You're a trash coach. Yeah. You, you can't ever stop learning. You know, no. that's like saying that an old dog can't learn a new trick. Yeah, you yeah, can. You can. You know, you take some of the older people that's played sports or older people in the lifting, you know, they're constantly learning. Yeah, the best – Players of anything are constantly evolving. Evolving. Yep. Like Michael Jordan. Like I, I'm not a fan of basketball. I think it's extremely boring. Uh, you're throwing a rubber ball or a leather ball into a metal hoop. It's the slam dunks, man. That's what makes it so exciting. <laughs> well, the most exciting part for me is the three pointers. Yeah. The skill work of it. I don't think it takes much skill to do a dunk. Well, you know, if you're like me and you can miss the whole backboard and the rim, you just call making it rain. <laughs> I agree. I suck at basketball. Maybe that's why I don't like it. But I I never watched his documentary. He come out. I can't remember what it's called. The Last Dance or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. You know, I grew up during that time, yeah. the early 90s. You know, I was a, a child, but I remember, you know, before that watching basketball with Dad, that was his sport, but – you know, that team, that Chicago Bulls team that came in and just dominated the world, played technical, sound mm-hmm. basketball. Yeah. The basketball you see today is not, not the, the basketball of then. <clears throat> and the basketball of then was not the basketball before, before. that. But those guys, they were technical. Mm-hmm. You know, they had their bad boys on the team. Dennis Rodman was a yeah. a bad boy. Spitfire. But it all clicked and it all worked together and they yeah. were able to put some championships together and it they was were constantly unreal. evolving. Oh yeah. Like Michael Jordan, they went on documentation, like people, he, he started training. So everybody else started training like strength training. There you go. And you know, having that one, all it takes is one guys. I'm, I'm one being guy. serious. And I say that from this experience that I've been experiencing, uh, you know, with the growth and the stuff that I've branched out in is all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge you to be that one. Yeah. It, and to be that one, you don't have to be extravagant. No. You don't have to be special. Just be the one that just, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be as best as I can be, and that's all it takes. And then pass that on. Yeah, pass it on to somebody. Because everything we do, 
we had a like elite FTS um, has this saying, live, learn, pass on. And when I first got into the sport and I, I heard about this, I never fully understood it. But after the years of learning more and experiencing more and having conversations with, you know, top level athletes and coaches and having the mentors that I have sitting down and understanding my experiences, like soak in your experiences, learn from those experiences, live in that moment. Don't just coast through it. Soak it in, pay attention to it. Learn from it. Take what you've learned from those experiences, those mistakes, those right actions, those wrong actions, those good turns, those wrong turns, and you pass that on to somebody. After that, it's out of your hands. But for someone to take knowledge and to gain and take and take and take and take and never give back to anybody, I have no respect for that. Yeah, me either. You know, and when you pass that on, they're more than likely, if they retained it, they're going to come back. Yeah. And they're going to ask some more questions. Yep. And, you know, don't shun them. Don't push them away. There's no stupid questions help. in this sport. Help. Definitely help. People. Help. I mean, as something, like if people, like I understand that some people were about asking questions and sounding dumb. And I know we've kind of gotten away from the question about, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's okay. It's kind of how we want this stuff to go is kind of just let it go easy, you know, a smooth, easy conversation. But it's something as simple as your stinking toe pressure or your finger pressure on the bar matters. So if something that simple matters, there is no stupid questions. No, just Why? stupid people who don't ask questions. That's right. And, I, and I'm going to get on Robert again. <laughs> I'm gonna keep calling you out. Shout out. Um, also, thank you for the poster, dude. That is awesome. Yeah, those posters are awesome. Um, we, Sweet. I greatly appreciate it, and I know that I'm not very emotional or show my expression much of my excitement. But I really, really, really appreciate that, brother. Justin, I love him. Um, as soon as I can. I will have that poster hung up in the gym. I do have a frame for it. It's already in the frame. Um, but again, thank you so very much. It turned out perfect. And I had no idea that you could do that. That shows how unliterate I am when it comes to Photoshop. <laughs> but it is probably the <laughs> coolest Captain America and Iron Man self-portrait type deal that I've ever seen. And I we greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, and I look really good in Iron Man armor. Just going to yeah, throw buddy. that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Go back to the, you know, not having stupid questions or being that one. In the sport of powerlifting, Robert's still new. So I'm going to single him out because it's somebody that we know personally. And he's a, you know, he's, a, he's in his 30s. And the reason I'm bringing this up again, because I listened to the coach's corner yesterday when I was working out, and they brought up the same subject that you and I talked about last week regarding not thinking your total's big enough to start your first competition. And like this is this goes in line with the giving your advice to a new lifter. Man, go for it. Be that one. Just go for it, man. There, there might be somebody that's looking at you, Robert, 
Yeah, most definitely. And have fun with it. And have fun with it. That's looking at you to go, you know what? Man, I like watching Robert Lift. He's getting stronger. But all I got to do is see you on the platform. And then, like, you know what? I want to try that. There you go. I mean, think about it. I mean, in a sense, you and I were that that one, that two, yep. that decided, you know what? I'm going to power lift. I mean, at first, it was me. Like, I was, you know what? I'm going to start powerlifting. Nobody in this town powerlifted. And I decided I'm going to powerlift. Yeah. And then Justin was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Because I remember it was in McDonald's because that used to yeah. be our Sunday night thing. Sunday night McDonald's, you know, getting all those good macros in. Yeah. And uh, we were eating salads back then. Sitting across looking at him, you know, and I was like, dude, <laughs> your chest is huge. And my wife looked at me and said, what did you just say? <laughs> but, you know, it was true, it, you know, and he was working towards that goal. Of course, he's, uh, this Zach has eaten that Zach. Uh-oh. Um, you know, he's. I just gotten fatter. No, that's not true. Uh, but the growth has been, you know, insane as yeah. far as, you know, knowledge and uh, strength. Yeah. And, yeah, I would say be that one. Most definitely, you never know who you're going to inspire. Somebody's yeah. always watching you. Yeah. Always. So, and I'm not saying yeah. that you can't have a misstep we're all going to have a misstep but knowing that i've inspired somebody mm-hmm. and that's helped them be great mm-hmm. i mean what what more can you ask for yeah uh and then kind of so we can move on to the next question just do it yeah. if you're thinking about it just do it there you go uh, if you're if you're new and you're thinking about doing the sport just do it um i know we probably wasn't very specific on answering that question but that is a very, very, very broad question. Yep. It's, it's hard to pinpoint it. Like, There's a lot of advice to give a new lifter. Yeah, I think that was a, you know, a good first question, good meat question. Yeah, uh, I like that. And then um, the next one was, uh, what made you start powerlifting? I'm going to let you go with this one first because I answered this, this one. I'll give a real simple answer. See what your response is. You. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did ask you if you wanted to start piloting with me. But, you know, I'd never actually stepped into a gym and done any type of weight training. I'd been to gyms. Uh, my school, high school didn't have a weight room. Yeah. Um, they didn't believe in that, you know, because it would mess up my fast twitch muscles, my whole weighing 115 pounds. They're idiots. Four foot tall in high school, you know. Um, but, no, it, it kind of interested me, and I did want to spend more time with my brother, and, you know, really get to know each other. And it clicked. And it's crazy how it clicked so well mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, I remember a time we we hadn't been at it very long. Zach was wrapping his knees. I'm holding <laughs> his leg down. You know, people are watching us because we would have all the 45-pound plates in the, in the town gym here. And his hand slipped, and he punched me in the jaw. And I'm talking, <laughs> he hit me hard. Um, and everybody kind of went, Ooh, and we just went right back to wrapping his right, knee. Yeah, because it, it slipped off the wrap, and we hurried up and grabbed the wrap even after. Yeah, I remember that. And you know, and everybody, you know, after it was like, man, that made me mad. I'd have been, and I was like, why would I get mad? He didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And they were like, well, you took a pretty good shot. And I was like, well, I don't have a glass jaw either. <laughs> you know. Um, but no, and I think that speaks volumes towards how relationships are built. Yeah, and. I agree. 
to be in there and grind with each other, doing something we had no idea, or I had no idea what we were doing. At that time, I didn't either. And, you know, Zach's like, we're going to do front squats. And I was like, I don't even know how to do back squats. So, (laughs) uh, but yeah, I would say, man, you are a great inspiration. And it was just, you know, to me, a way to get to know you and for you to get to know me. And it just clicked and it stuck. And now I'm, I'm addicted to it. So yeah, it's a very addicting thing. I appreciate it. I, I do struggle with compliments and the idea to think that I'm an inspiration. I can't comprehend it, to be honest, because I honestly like I've got the mentality. I don't want to call it imposter syndrome, which some people call it that. Like, I hate getting recognition. I hate it. Like, I get more nervous for standing in front of people to get a reward or something like that at a meet than I do performing the lift itself in front of people. At least I can focus on what I'm doing. If you're getting your name called to go pick up a medal or something, it's like, eh, everybody's looking at me for that. And it's like, ah. <laughs> uh, and I, I struggle with that. And that is something that I probably need to get better at. But I got into powerlifting. Um, shamefully enough, I'm going to say this, and nothing against CrossFit people. Nothing against CrossFit. It is a sport that it's fascinating. Um, I just don't agree with. I got into it for a little bit, for about six months. I got into it, and it just didn't make sense to me to put that high risk of movements in a time-sensitive manner and to not, maybe at the time, you know, five years ago, six years ago, maybe it's more people are more conscious now, but back then, there was no care for caution or injury. It's like, just go. Just throw all these movements in order, and we're going to make a wad out of it. And if it's too heavy, we, what do they call it, scale. It was RX or scaled. And it was like, okay, most people can do pull-ups injury-free. So that, for time, I can see that. But I would never in a million years tell somebody, I want you to go run 400 meters, come back, do 50 pull-ups, then do 25 push-ups, then do 10 overhead squats, and then do burpees. Like, okay, at what point do you go fatigue is going to run into injury whenever you're having these people take a barbell and throw it over their head to squat down? And that kind of stuff just kept ringing in my ear like, someone's going to get hurt. And it's like, you know what, like, it's challenging, and I can see people get a lot of results from it. It's just not for me. Like, I look at that and go, man, the the, the risk-reward factor makes no sense. Like, I don't believe in high-risk, high-reward stuff. I don't. Now, with my younger clients and even some of my older clients, I do have this saying, I call them low-risk, high-reward movements, that they earn. If you can show me, in this amount of time that you can follow these programs and you do this, I will give you a movement that you want that there's a very low risk to of injury to. And I believe in that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, I got out of that and I'm a I was I'm very competitive and I played sports all my life. And in this time I was oh shoot. I haven't been married very long, so we're trying to get into a new life. At this moment, we were still living at home with Butch and Carolyn because our house was still getting built. 
And I looked on bodybuilding.com, and Lane Norton was a bodybuilder and a powerlifter. And he sh- they had a article on his split. And I just recently decided I'm no longer going to do CrossFit because it doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, you know, I'm going to follow this for a few weeks and see how that goes. As I started doing that, I was like, man, this is, I kind of like this. This is, this is fun. Um, I can see how people get, you know, addicted to this and want to compete. And at this time, I didn't realize what competitions were and none of that kind of stuff. And then when I was in college, I followed a guy named Chris Gethin. And he started a supplement company, Caged Muscle. And he did a YouTube video showing that he sponsored Jesse Norse. And at this time, I had no idea who Jesse Norse was. And I watched that video, and he was a powerlifter. And he's my height, about my build, a lot more jacked than I am, um, and way stronger than I am. And I was like, whoa, I can do that. I like that. And that, that appealed to me. That was very eye-appealing to me. I was like, you know what? That's very interesting. I want, I want to try that. Um, I started following along with his journey, and then I actually hired him as a coach. Well, I didn't really hire him as a coach. I bought a program, uh, a prep program for that him um and i don't know about what two or three weeks into that that's when you started yeah i started you know halfway through the first part of the program <laughs> having no idea what the first few weeks were yeah but it all worked out it, it was a learning experience i do realize this that's one of those genetic outliers that he, he i'm not saying it's not a good coach but it didn't work for me those workouts were insane. Yeah. Did, now looking back, what I've learned, none of it made sense. None of it. It was just volume. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't have to because my coach knows what I'm supposed to be doing. So <laughs> I just follow the program yeah. and learn from it. See, there's something there to touch on. You don't always have to understand something to trust it. That's true. Now, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you have a coach that's worth a grain of salt, it's weight and salt, whatever you want to call it, you will be able to ask them questions, and they don't mind answering them. Your coach or mentor or whoever should be able to explain to you the reason on why you're doing something. If there is something in a program, there is something in your workout, and you and or your coach doesn't know why you're doing it. That yeah, probably shouldn't be doing it. Probably shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> He's just throwing something on the wall just to see what fits. Like, if you're doing a split squat, know why you're doing split squats. If you're doing lunges, know why you're doing lunges. You know, that's almost the same movement. <laughs> but if you're doing something, know why you're doing it and learn it. Learn the importance of it. And apply it because I 100% believe that knowing why you do something will allow you to focus on the movement better to where it transfers to the sport better. Like if you're just doing front squats to be doing front squats and you don't know that you're doing it to strengthen your core and your upper back or quads, and you're just doing it 
you're not consciously thinking about those muscle groups. Like if I'm doing a front squat, I'm going to be thinking about the muscle groups that I know it should be working. Exactly. And focusing on those muscles and how they feel. Yeah. Um, I would say that to me, I guess what I was trying to get at is in the moment. I don't have to know why right now. Yes. Actually, I should have looked at my programming at my training yes. and said, okay, I want to know what I need to be feeling before I make it there. Yeah. But in the off chance that I didn't, mm-hmm. and I showed up to the gym that day, and you were like, well, we're going to do front squats, we're going to do split squats, we're going to do back squats, and then you're going to do, you know, TKE squats. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too late to figure reset out what TKE yeah. and, and rewind and go, what's a TKE squat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this is, to where I should have looked at the programming, or if I didn't have it on hand, you know, shot a message over and said, hey, can you send me what we're doing today so yeah. I can – I can ask you questions. I can YouTube videos and watch other people do these movements yes. and have it in my mind when I get here. See, just a, a note. So, so before we go down that branch, like basically I got into powerlifting because I want I wanted something to feed my competitive drive. Um, now leading into what we were talking about, as a client, I'm going to stress this, and I'm sure every coach in the world has this headache. It is your responsibility as a client to go over your program days before your workout. If your coach is worth anything, you will have this workout in advance. So so you need to look over your program, look over the movements, and one, don't be lazy. Look up, if you don't know, look up the movement. You can YouTube it. If you are one of my clients, I have personal recorded videos that I will send you that's an instructional video to show you how I prefer these movements to be done. If you are one of my clients and you look something up on YouTube, please send me that link so I can confirm that is what I am looking for out of that movement because each coach has a preferred way they want something done per se each client because some clients I might want to do a good morning, but I don't necessarily want every one of them to do it the exact same way. Well, yeah. And, you know, you can go out there and get the wrong information too. Yes. So it is good to have that validation of, yes, that's correct. And yes, that's how I want you to do that versus you get there and you're doing it wrong and then you get corrected. Then you get butthurt. Yep. And then you have an attitude yeah. for the rest of your workout, which is non-productive. Very non-productive. Now, as a client, if you have questions, ask them in a timely manner. Don't ask them the day of your workout. Or five minutes before your movement. Yeah, don't do it. Because, one, yes, we do live in a society in a time where we do have our phones. But if I am with my wife or if I'm with my family and we're doing something, my number one focus is not going to be on my cellular device. It is going to be the time spent with my loved ones. And yes, I am hired as your coach, but I do have working hours. Yeah. Just like anybody else. Not only that, stick to the programming. Please stick to the program. Please. I don't care if you look at it and go, well, I could just switch this and this. I understand it on on the outside looking in, that might make sense. But there are principles 
that it's set in place that these methods are designed upon. That way, this movement comes on these days. These movements go on the days following, which allows a certain amount of hours, as in days hours, between this day and this day to give your body the adequate time to recover. That was one of the things that I had an issue with here recently. I couldn't get someone to understand fully why we can't swap days. We can't do it. I'm sorry. Under the grounds of why. If anybody, this is not my clients or anybody else's clients, if you want to worry about rehab, prehab, and work on mobility and things like that, great. Take care of your body. Do that. But that should not take away from your working workout days. It should not take away, period. Period. If you are honestly in the mindset to think that you can restructure your entire week because you want to add in a mobility day or recovery day, there is nothing about that that makes sense. Nothing. Nothing. A recovery day is a recovery day. There's a such thing as called as a active rest day, an active recovery day, which that means is if you have tight shoulders or you tight hips or anything like that, on your rest day, do your cardio. That's not a workout. I'm sorry, guys. Do your 15, 20 minutes of walk-in. Do you some sled pulls. Do something. But if you want to worry about your shoulder health and rotator cuffs or your knee health and all that kind of stuff, work that stuff. But keep in mind that that rehab prehab is not, it does not need to be performed to the extent that it's going to take away from your workouts the following days. Yeah. I'm sorry. It shouldn't. No. And you ought to be able to approach that day. And I'm not going to say you're always going to be at 100%. Mm-mm. But even if, say, physically you're at 50%, you need to be able to give 100% of that 50%. Yes. Um, you know, because the, the weeks do wear on us. And, we're, you know, we Deload don't know. weeks come into play. Yeah. Deload weeks are important. I <clears> learned that the hard way. Um, but, you know, well, we got way off on this, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, stick to it. That's part of that discipline I talked about earlier. Yeah, stick, stick to it. Stick to it. Shoot, I enjoy getting way off on things. <laughs> That's kind of how we are. I like it. It makes it, it makes it more natural. Yeah. But see, I have, like, my deloads are not necessarily like a true traditional deload. Like, my deloads is I have them either do a 5x5 five five or a 4x5. Five. And it's, like, I call it block or waves. To me, my ignorant self, I call it basically the same thing. I do a three-week ramp up. And then next three weeks, like I'll start a, a lower intensity, a little bit higher volume, work the intensity up for two more weeks, and back it down. What this does that I have found working with my clients, with you, Seth, Mackenzie, and even my wife, she's a perfect example. Like, it's amazing to see her progress because it's like she has no sports background, none. And to see these things work with her is really great. And then I've got some other clients that are doing these things and they're really, really progressing. And they've lifted for years. And to see this simple method, this is simple method, like one week I've got them doing sets of five, one week I got them doing sets of three, and then one week I got them doing singles, but for multiple sets. And yes, the percentages are ramping up, 
gradually. So it's linear. It is a linear uh, periodization, but that's fine. But there's all, and there's, and I've got it structured in a block form to where there's always a week to where it's, you're down-regulating. Even though that down-regulating week, quote-unquote deload, might be a slight increase in percentages as the three weeks before, but it's going to be such difference between the week beforehand when you're, we're doing singles that it's going to feel like, whoa, I ain't doing nothing. Yeah. And it's and it in your their body, like I found women of it's weird yeah, figuring it's weird. out. They recover really good. And now learning the the their their cycles and trying to figure out that kind of stuff, navigating those waters. Um some women have a lot of issues with it. Some women don't have any. Yeah. Um I have a teenage girl, she has lots of issues with it. And I think it's being a teenage girl. Yeah. Just, oh, I don't feel good. I don't want to do nothing. Yeah, I've never been a teenage girl, so I don't know what that's like. I'm still a teenage girl. <laughs> but no, I, I feel like, you know, as a client, take responsibility. Yeah, most definitely. Take, you know, it is your responsibility. Yeah. It's your responsibility to know what you're going to do. Exactly. And if you don't understand something, don't be afraid to ask, but ask beforehand. Yes. And again, if you've got questions, ask. Send, like, if you don't know what a movement is, I'm definitely, if it's a different movement that's not your plane, you can Google it or you haven't done it every day. I typically have a video on it and how I want it performed. Like, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a hip thruster movement, but I call it banded glutes because it's simple. It's people understand that you use bands and you work on your glutes. And that's a movement that I, I like people to do. Um, I like people to do dumbbell front squats or dumbbell squats with the dumbbell held in front of them for sets before they deadlift. Um, I learned this from my coach is, you know, anytime you're in a meet, you're never going to be fresh when you're deadlifting. So why should we train fresh when we deadlift? Exactly. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like that method and that, that the thought process behind that clicked with me. That makes a lot of sense. Now, most clients that I work with need a stronger upper back, need a stronger core. And I want them to maintain mobility in their hips, knees, and ankles. So I have them do a deep dumbbell squat before they go to their deadlifts. What I have found, and I prescribe this like an RPE 5 or 6. Like this twerk you, but not completely tax you. What my idea with this is, is it's going to help maintain stability at the hole. This will help aid your squat, help maintain flexibility and mobility. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, say this. You can't have mobility without stability. You can't have stability without mobility. Simple as that. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Stiffness is not stability. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have them do these movements because, one, it activates their core. It helps wakes them up. They're getting everything lubricated up, and it helps their upper back. Your core gets stronger, and your upper back gets stronger. Your deadlift gets stronger. Yeah, a lot of things get stronger. Yeah. So that's why I have that in there. Um, Man, we're at an hour and 20 minutes. You have anything you want to add or any specifics? I kind of went on my rant about what I expect from clients. No, I mean, 
and and being one of those clients, I can tell y'all, um, you know, I'm not going to say that this journey has been easy. No. Um, and there's been a lot of things that I've had to learn and, and that you yourself have had to learn. Yeah. And I can tell you this, Zach and I do not agree on everything. Just to, I just want to put this out. This is something that I preached about uh, here not too long ago. We're not going to agree on everything, but I love this man. He's my brother. And I can tell you this, no matter what the world tells you, just because we don't see eye to eye on everything doesn't mean you can't love each other. That is right. I agree. And coexist and help each other. Yeah. Because here's like, I don't want to agree with somebody all the time. No. There's no productiveness in that. There's no learning. None. None at all. Like I would like I would get sick of myself. Like I get sick of myself because I'm I am myself. <laughs> it's like when you communicate with somebody, uh, to keep it in context, realize a coach and client is only successful, can only be as successful as their communication. There you go. Your job is to communicate. And as a coach, your job is to be clear of your intentions. 100%. As a client, it's your job to communicate to the coach. It's that simple. And it's you need to be clear from a coach standpoint what you expect from that client. And that client needs to communicate if he understands what he's feeling, what he sees, what hurts, what doesn't hurt, and all this kind of stuff. Again, that's why I like training with the programming with the methods of RPE or um, RIR, reps in reserve. You know, that's, they're basically the same thing, just the scales are completely flopped. Uh, you know, RIR is if it's a one reps in a reserve that's like a nine yeah. on RPE. Um, and the reason why I like this is – Yes, it might be a little advanced, but most coaches, if they're worth anything and learn how to communicate with their clients and their clients communicate with them, you can see like, okay, I want this to be an RPE 7. And they're grinding on that last rep and going, yep, RPE 7, no. No, that was a RPE of what you just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, eh, no. So you can communicate that. Like, you know what? Let's back the weight off. If we see this mechanical breakdown, that RPE is no longer valid. You hit an RPE 10. I'm simple as that. With me, if you can't hit depth with the, the weight, it's RPE 10. If your form breaks down past, like I'm, I'm going to say, if your form breaks down to where if we're going to grade it, it's below a 9, your RPE is 10. If you're hitching, it's a 10. If you're using straps, it's a 10. If you're bouncing it off your chest, it's a 10. If your feet are sliding over the place, your butt's coming off the bench when you're bench pressing, it's a 10. Oh, most definitely. We want to perform movements in a very technical and proficient way. I understand everything can't be perfect, and everybody is not a considered technician. But we should strive to be better every single time. And that's why I believe in programming with RPEs more than I do just percentages and numbers. But like right now I got a lot of clients that I'm giving direct numbers to because I'm playing with something and I am finding out <clears throat> because I'm having to do the same thing with that as I would if it was RPE. Like I'm having to add or subtract two to 5%, sometimes 
to get their the desired stimulus, the strain out of it. And it's like, what the crap? So it's like, until we get in a peak, I'm no longer writing specific numbers down, unless it's a, a percentage day. Yeah. But that's, you know, looking at that, that that's how we build these relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and you never know. It could turn into powerlifting. Yeah. Or, you know, just hanging out. Yeah, you know, 100%. Playing video games or whatever it may be. That. But um, speaking of that, you know, I would – just like to say thanks um, to everybody, all the love and support, yeah. especially, you know, over what we're doing here and the things, you know, that we spoke about at the front that's progressed yeah. over this past week is to me just an outpouring and, and it is greatly appreciated. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get better at this in time. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not mm-hmm. like people, I think a lot of them are just being nice. Uh, me being over analytic the way I am about things and very crucial on myself as I, I, I look at all the flaws and look at the improvements and things will get better. Um, I do believe we always start a little clunky and yeah. it's, and it's cause it's unnatural for us to want to be recorded and that's, that's fine. We'll get better. We'll learn. This is a learning experience. This is extremely out of my comfort zone. Oh, most definitely. Um, you got to get comfortably comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And being exposed. Yep. Because as anybody, we tend to put our foots in our mouth a lot. So yeah. it's like, eh. I'm a married man. I put my foot in my mouth all the time. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I've enjoyed this. I know this is just the second one, but I, I, I'm really enjoying the process behind this. And I am finding that it's easy to talk about subjects. Yeah. And I'll get better at not rambling. I do ramble a lot. Yeah. Well, we both do, but <laughs> that's usually how our conversations go. So we got a bunch of ideas we throw together and try to figure it out. And that's kind of how our process works. But anyway, like I want us to talk on briefly on support. You and I talked about this the other day, my first day out of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your opinion on, I don't want to say I want to call them closet supporters. But for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, Supporters, people who say they support, but it's only face value. It's nothing more. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've experienced this a lot. Yeah. Um, I know the feeling. You you look out and you see this, this group of people who say they've got your six, they've got your back. They're going to support you. They're going to be there no matter what. Yeah. But when it comes time for them to be there, they're not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see it. We talked about it the other day how maybe I have 200 family and friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I post something just to give them an update to show them where I'm what's at. Interest, because, yeah, what's you know, what interested I'm interested in, in yeah. and the things that they, they know I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And the support is very, very low. Yeah. Or I could go to, say, <clears throat> IG and post the same thing and I have a thousand people that I don't know and I get quadruple the amount of support for people you don't from know from people that I don't know and and I've noticed that it's people that I thought we that I was close to yeah that are those supporters who will tell you to your face man that's great I'm here for you if you need anything you just let me know um but that's as far as it goes yeah. and I'm not listen I don't expect everybody to be in every facet of everything that I do. Yeah. Um, but the support is, it is needed guys. Yeah. And 
for anything I, that we do. Exactly, anything. That we, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be stuff that we're putting on social media or anything like that. That was just an example. But what I'm saying, I want to be there for the people that mm-hmm. I know and that I love. And if somebody says, hey, can I have some help with this? You know, can I get some support? I want to be in that position where I can do that. Yeah. And, not, I mean, I know I, I keep saying this, but this week to me has been a perfect example of a stranger helping me yep. drive towards a dream that I've had since I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, and that dream being maybe one day eventually making money to play a video game. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And this guy, he doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. But we were you know, connected through a friend and he has done nothing but help support. Yeah. And it's that support and he does it. It hasn't cost him a dime. No, nothing. Supporting somebody. I'm going to, intend, unless you choose to supporting people is free. Yes. Most definitely helping people is free. Yeah. And since when has giving a blanket statement such as let me know if you need anything considered real support yeah i don't i don't think that's real support no i'm i'm sorry it's not we had this talk the other day at work and somebody told me well what you do defines who you are and i told them they were wrong it's how you do it that's right 100 percent. because i'm not a a power lift but powerlifting is not who i am exactly it's not what you do it's how you do it people perceive the things that that you do, mm-hmm. but on how you are doing it. I agree with that 100%. And, like, I don't know Jack Diddley squat about online gaming, Twitch, any of that kind of stuff. But if me, as I'm not very technically inclined, can create a stupid account and follow a brother of mine or a friend of mine just to help him out, anybody can. And I'm going to use Robin. Miss Robin, for an example, someone who, through social media, come in contact, we come in contact through social media, through powerlifting, because I, I remember she posted something asking for advice on a squat, and I saw some imbalances in her foot pressure, and I, I pointed, that, pointed that out to her, and I directed her in the path of, to go to Christian. Um, I if you're looking for coaching and you want somebody that's top of the line, I always recommend Christian because he's phenomenal. Um, I'm very biased, but I'm going to tell you this. He teaches as much as he coaches, and that's what it's all about. Well, anyway, I've never met her before in my entire life. La- my last meet in August, she knew that we were going to be in Dallas. She asked me where the meet was, and she came and supported and she brought donuts. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. If someone like a stranger, a, like truthfully a stranger, can do something like that, and that is real support. Yeah. It's, you know, real support. Somebody that you don't know. Yeah. And and this is what I would like to say, and this is uh, something that, you know, I'm, I'm going to start signing off with on everything that, that I do. Because it has been given to me yeah. from the one who created us is love thy neighbor. Yeah, I don't know of a better statement that shows support than to love your neighbor. Yeah. To love thy neighbor, and that's you know I teach that to the youth. And a, a kid had a very good question the other day: is how do I love somebody that I don't know? Treat them with respect. Respect, kindness, mm-hmm. B 
be helpful. Yep. And so yep. I, I would say that all of my streams from here on out, that's how we're going to finish them off yep. is love thy neighbor. Yeah, I like that. And so that, I mean, that's, that's how I touch on the support. That's how I feel about support. Yeah. And it's weird. Like it's a touch, a touchy subject because you got think about this. With my gym, the gym that I open, how many of my family members do you see supporting that outside of you? Just me. There you go. See what I'm saying? And my wife and my kids. That's no, it. I'm just, just your family. Yeah. Nobody else. But that's, uh, to me, it's important. Man, it's just, it's so important. Oh, yeah. And, and what's weird is like, I don't expect support. If that makes any sense, even though we're talking about it, I don't expect it. But at one point or another, it should happen. You should have support from people that love you. Yeah. Care I, about you. I agree. Uh, like. And as, as humans, it, it weighs on us a little bit. Yeah. Think, you know. Because, and I, I guess it goes to the extent of, I do so much for other people. Sometimes it's natural to be a little selfish and think, well, what are people doing for me? And I, I hate to think like that, but if I'm, we're being honest, we all think like this. Yep. What are you doing for me? It's like, what are people doing for me? And there's times Ashley tells me, she goes, Zach, sometimes you're a little too generous. And she tells me that a lot. Christian tells me that a lot with my coaching. He goes, you are too generous, Zach. <laughs> well, I can say this. You're very generous to me. <laughs> it is greatly appreciated. And I enjoy helping people. I enjoy being there for people. Like, I want to be an example of what I didn't have when I was a child. Yes, most definitely. Um, this is for a later time, but as you know, my childhood up until my teen years was garbage. Yep. And we can, you know, end on this. It doesn't matter what your life was and your upbringing to use your childhood or livelihood growing up your experiences to justify your crappiness as an adult is the most worthless the most worthless excuse i've ever heard in my life that's right flip it flip it be something better yep because i'm gonna tell you this if i could be have decent of a human being after everything as a child that i went through and even as a teenager that i went through anybody can anybody can and I understand my life wasn't as bad as other people's. But I can promise you this, the majority of people's lives were a lot better than mine. And if I can choose to do good, so can you. Yeah, most it, definitely. It is a conscious decision, just like supporting people. It is a yep. conscious decision. Give some effort. Like, you always see these memes, it's priceless to show kindness. Well, put that to work. Yeah, do it. Do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of... Seeing this, I share these motivational quotes. You ain't sharing nothing but a button. Yep. Quit that. There it is. Be, live that. Live that life. And I get real passionate about this kind of stuff. I can't stand it. Ashley and I, one time, we didn't really get in an argument, but we were just talking about it. I was like, Ashley, what's the point in sharing some of that stuff? She goes, well, I like it. I was like, do you like it? Or are you just doing it because it seems supportive or motivational? What kind of motivation? I was like, why? Like, what are you actually doing with it? 
what actions are we putting forth that's actually motivating somebody? Yep. There's none. You're clicking a button. So if there's anything from this last five minutes or so, put actions to your words. If you're telling somebody, I'm going to support you, do it. Yeah, most definitely do it. And if it and if all that does is involve clicking a button, yeah, click the button. Or if you're not on social media much, say, hey man, how's it going? Notice that today. Good yeah. job. Look, I like feedback. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, corrective instruction. Uh, what do I want to call it? Um, See, I'm going blank. <laughs> constructive criticism. Yes, we all love that stuff. Like I ask. Everybody who listens to the podcast, hey, what would you do different? Um, because I want to get better at this. I want this to be something good. Yeah, helpful. Helpful. And I know sometimes the subjects that we talk about may not relate, but somebody might relate with it. Yep. And I understand, you know, we're getting kind of long, but like, that, I had two comments on it, but they, they told me like, it went easier than we expected. It went smoother than we expected being that long. I don't want to put a time frame on nothing. I just no. want to be what's natural, what's fluid. You know, let's talk about it. Because if you start scripting it, it yeah. starts becoming fake. And it's, yeah, it's not natural. And yeah. it doesn't flow. It's not genuine. Nope. But with that, we are coming to a close. Um, again, the WRPF is coming to Arkansas. going to be in Nashville, Arkansas, March 6th. The last day that you can sign up for that meet is going to be February the 19th, I do believe. Please feel free to contact any of us. Um, you can contact Justin, Miss Janet at Flex Gym. You can uh, contact myself, Zach Fant. The meet entry is going to be on their website at wrpf.home. It's going to be on their event calendar, and the event is called uh, Flex Gym Power Classic. Um, if you're interested in any coaching or any powerlifting programming, guys, feel free to contact me. Or if you want to get in contact with any other coaches, I have no issues trying to get you in contact with other coaches that I know. Again, we're excited for this opportunity with this meet. Um, we have some experienced lifters coming. We have some first-time lifters coming. So this is going to be a great experience. Um, You can reach me on Instagram at ZachFant18 or on my Facebook or Chalk Zone Powerlifting Facebook page. If you've got any questions, guys, please feel free to contact us. And if you would like to come on the podcast or you've got any questions related to the podcast, please feel free to contact me on, on any of those social media platforms or my email at ZachFant18 at gmail.com. Man, that's it for me, man. What do you got? Well, y'all know how it is. A little plug here. Uh, just, you know, reach out, like I said, if you got any questions or anything um, pertaining to anything or, if you know, if you're just looking for some help, uh, be more than more than glad to help. You can, uh, you can reach me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitch, YouTube. we got a little bit of everything going on right now at JBM Patch. Um, Facebook is Justin Myers. Shoot me a message. The email address is jbmpatch1986 at gmail.com. Like I said, love to be able to help you. Love to support. Uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you for all the love and support that y'all guys have been showing us uh, most definitely. Um, just a little quick thing. want to maybe give a little sneak peek of a, an exciting announcement. Um, there might be a article being posted on a very, very interesting website soon. Boom. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> Again, guys, we're excited. 
for all this, all the opportunities. And thank you for the support, guys. Hope you enjoyed the t- today's podcast. We're off, man. <laughs>